0: Let's all go to the lobby let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat let's all go to the lobby let's all go to the lobby let's all go to
1: the lobby to get ourselves a treat welcome ladies and gentlemen to the not double feature podcast this week David, what is this new little excursion we're getting ourselves into?
0: Well, I actually recorded in a uh, little bit of a correction to the episode that we just put out uh, in which we announced we were going to be watching Two movies, one of which that got scrubbed from the internet, Uh, that is in reference to us saying we were going to watch I Know What You Did Last Summer and uh, Urban Legends.
1: Yes, the Urban Legends and I Know What You Did Last Summer episode was originally supposed to be Urban Legends Final Cut and this film, A Necessary Death. But A Necessary Death was apparently too obscure for TV.
0: Uh, Yeah, we... Well, I really, because the original idea for the episode, right? Dean and I were going to choose a couple films that we wanted to watch. Normally, we try to pick things for you guys, uh, you know, newer things, things that can be paired together. But we wanted to do a couple things that we chose that time. And I picked out this movie that I had watched several years ago uh, that I really love, um, as we'll come to find. But I didn't really look up the fact that it was... Scrubbed from the internet. I watched it on Netflix when it was out, but you know, apparently everybody was just like, oh, we don't want this anymore.
1: Yeah, it's kinda weird because um the only way we were able to figure this out was the week of our podcast recording. We both went to go out to find it. And yeah, you actually have to go on like buy this physical DVD. And I think it's like print to order or something like that, because I could, I could not find any place that was streaming this movie. I couldn't find a bootleg. I couldn't find anything about this.
0: Yeah, for anybody who wants to know how weird this is, there's literally an iTunes link to this movie on Google still that is dead. So you can click on it and it'll acknowledge that there was a link on iTunes once, but iTunes doesn't exist anymore, which is also a very weird thing to say out loud.
1: Yeah, that seems kind of awkward, right? Because you would you would think this movie has to exist somewhere like somebody's like my space has something has a link to it or whatever because granted this movie was probably obscure when it came out and I think that's kind of what this little segment is going to be about you know all the obscure movies we find in our day to day lives. Yeah,
0: I mean, we might continue to do obscure things in the future if this works out, because it's an interesting little experiment for us. Um,
1: This is the first time we've actually had to record face-to-face since the coronavirus started.
0: That is true. Dean and I are in the same room right now. Not that you would ever know otherwise, but um, Mm -hmm. yeah, we're going to be testing a lot of things out today.
1: It's going to be fun on the bun. Yeah. So originally when we picked this film to watch... It was because we wanted to do a pairing of film school horror movies, right? That's what we picked uh, Urban Legends Final Cut and you picked A Necessary Death. But me being bad, I didn't really catch that this was far more of a drama than a horror film. And that comes pretty clear when the movie starts. But David, let's um, get in. So... Where did you see this movie first? Where did you hear about it? Because I had no idea what this movie was before
0: we watched it. So I, I have no idea where I heard about this movie first necessarily. This is a very, uh, when I say obscure, it was like not commercially released. It had its time on Netflix, but I think that really only had to do with the fact that Netflix was searching for shit to put on it in 2014 or whatever. Oh,
1: God, yeah, because this came out in this was released in 08. Yeah,
0: released in 08. It probably had plenty of time to exist in, you know.
1: The internet. Yeah,
0: forums or wherever people could find it. It It existed, obviously, on iTunes stores or Amazon stores at one point where a lot of independent movies probably had to exist to get their sales. But I feel like this was something that I heard about strictly because friends of friends were talking about it and I they said it was super trippy and creepy and I was like, oh, I'll check it out. And then one uh, dark and stormy night while I was working a retail job at a skate shop in a nowhere town. Uh, yeah. I put it on my iPhone to get through the shift, and nobody came in the entire shift, and I was able to watch this movie in one sitting, and it kept me glued to the screen the whole time.
1: On um, the old school iPhone four.
0: Yeah, it was about as close to like the old movie nerd who had like a little VHS TV uh, as I'll probably ever get to experience. But yeah, this is uh, since watching this movie, it's become one of my favorite cult classics because. Well, I don't know if this is a classic in any sense, it's certainly cultish because, for fuck's sake, I could not find anybody who had talked about this film on the internet for, like, three years.
1: That was, like, the weirdest thing for me because I tried to do a little bit of research on these movies before I watched them, and, oh my god, I was fucking at a loss for anything. I couldn't get a review, I couldn't get... Uh, usually, even with really obscure movies, you need like a a random guy on YouTube talking about it. But I think we're going to be the first people anywhere to record a podcast about unnecessary death.
0: Yeah, and you know, I could I, I'd be interested to deep, dive deeper and see what people have said about this. I think it deserves to have more things said about it. It did, does have an AFI Audience Award. That's pretty high praise because AFI, you know, that's right, a pretty significant fes- festival. Um, I'll actually, I'm holding the physical DVD box in my hand right here, which I had to order a sealed copy of off of eBay.
1: (laughs) Off of eBay? It wasn't even Amazon.
0: Exactly. You know, I have no no clue if this is a new print because it is copyright 2012. I have no idea if it was something that they've had since the movie was last printed. Um, Let me read the back of the box here, though, in lieu of log lines this week. Yeah. Um, let's see, we have in quotes here, documentary filmmaker looking for suicidal individual to follow from first preparation to final act, cut from 142 videotapes, a necessary death sheds light on the tragedy that followed this infamous internet ad. Shocking audiences around the globe, the film witnesses, the making of a complex crime in chilling detail, and stands as a fascinating tale of ambition, manipulation, and intrigue.
1: Yeah, that's kind of a, a lot in in that little back-of-the-box blurb. So, to, I guess, sum it up a little bit is, we're about to, we watched a movie about a really narcissistic director watching a guy try and commit suicide.
0: Yeah, that's actually a really good life Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, you know, I'll preface this by saying a lot of you are probably not going to have watched this movie when we are talking about it. It's more of you'll be able to go online and find clips or... The trailer. You know, like we said, maybe there are people talking about it. The trailer, yeah. If you can get a hold of a copy of it, watch it before. But this is the only episode, I think, in our history where we're actually going to have to put up spoilers.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because we're going to just go all in on this. Usually we talk about spoilers in our movies, but most of the movies we've talked about are generally either really easily accessible where most of the audience have seen it or they're kind of old enough to where you can kind of guess the ending because it's been around so long this one though is going kind of blind
0: so yes
1: yeah. let's talk a little bit about how this movie um, works i guess yeah
0: so the the mo- mode of the movie for its driving is uh it's shot on like it says a bunch of kind of documentary style videotapes and digital cards. Um, it's okay. There's another thing: is this movie is definitely you can
1: tell this was shot in 2006 or eight or whatever.
0: Yeah, I guess the movie takes place in 2006, and it it's. Following some students at I believe us UCLA is where they're going. Well, they um, say
1: some like LA film school. They never. I don't think they get specific as to where, but it's a the So They LA. come into
0: contact with like the LA film conservatory. But right. I believe that the director of the the movie, not of the movie, but you know the actual the, movie. the documentary in the film. Yeah, he I think mentions the UCLA board or, or the professor there at some point. Not really sure, but that's the mode of the movie. Is it's all the videotapes that these students shot in order to um, come together and make this documentary about a person committing suicide. Uh, And then somebody has reconstructed everything afterward. um, And that's how we're getting our narrative.
1: And it's kind of um, weird. So I should probably
0: preface this with, this is kind of a rough watch. If
1: you do seek this movie out, because it is misery
0: porn. Found footage is about as close as I think I can get to seeing what the style is. Yeah, it's Um, like a mockumentary found
1: footage kind of deal.
0: Yeah. Um, No, I lost my train of thought. (laughs) You
1: lost your train of thought. Don't worry, I'll get back on the train. So... How this movie kind of starts is we have our main character, Gilbert, who, well, I guess he's, yeah, he's the main character. He's this director from the one of the many film schools in Los Angeles, and he's doing his uh, senior thesis film, the film he needs to do to graduate and complete his education there, and he plans on doing a documentary about someone committing suicide. And kind of the moral implications of that and the the heartache that comes with following somebody who has committed themselves to doing that is the whole, like, I guess the the whole moral question of the movie, the thematics of if you know somebody's going to die, should you intervene if it's just, if they're just going to result in a much painful death? Because that's how a lot of this movie kind of falls around and works around that question of, hey, we found a guy who's going to die terminally and he's going to die anyway. There's nothing he or anyone can do about it and he wants to end his life. Now, we could stop him, but that just means he's going to die very painfully instead of ending it on his own terms. And that's kind of the setup for his documentary. But, oh my god, the opening of this movie Ike tries to set it up like a comedy real quick.
0: Yeah, so there's an interesting bit, um, the, if we're going back to like that tone problem. Yeah, which the, I think is
1: probably where a lot of people are going to have questions.
0: Questions, though, I honestly am a little bit impressed that if what they were going for was students put this together, or immature filmmakers... Put this mm-hmm. together, immature in, in a tactical sense, strictly not yeah, on anybody's character. Essentially, yeah, uh, they did a really good job at na- nailing like the imperfections of that student filmmaking. Um, yeah,
1: this this film definitely feels like it's meant to be shot by somebody who's getting out of film school and probably wouldn't have passed. Kind of thing because this movie looks rough. It looks real
0: rough. Yeah, there's a lot of um how would they put it? Smudged lenses, shaky camera work, poor lighting. Everything audio. is
1: overexposed or underexposed. Yeah,
0: and more or less that works because everything is so they capture everything, everything in these people's lives that are that are going on. Mm. And that actually comes out, along well. I think they cut together a lot I am f- firmly uh, impressed with the way they cut together a lot of that dialogue, that documentary di- style dialogue that's like, we're interviewing this person and this person, and we cut those interviews together to make a through line of mm-hmm. the narrative through it. Um, that was, I, I, for me, I'd be very interested to see what this script looked like, because it's very...
1: It feels to me that the script for this more it was probably more like an outline. It feels like there's a lot of improv in this, in this
0: movie. Which is... But that's, that's I guess, what I'm surprised by because it's like if this was all... If, or Majority was improv. A lot of that was serendipitously put together. I mean, that's incredible. A little yeah. bit. Maybe because, like, the specific... I think it gets down to... You can't come up with, like, specific details to say in the, the dialogue without writing the dialogue i guess i mean really uh, but you know um i don't know I, I guess that's why i wish there was more on this movie because it's it, it always baffles me like the plot versus the mode making it like how it really 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 makes me want to know how they made this um
1: that is probably going to be the biggest thing that you're going to be stuck on is how did they make this movie because it seems so it's like an amateur production with a very masterful like use of story. And you know, let's let's just dive into the plot so we can get some of this stuff out of the way. So I we already went over us meeting Gilbert and he's the director, the and he has this auteur complex about him, which is kind of weird because he's I don't know. He has this kind of auteur complex and he's looking to make this documentary about somebody committing suicide, following him from beginning beginning, and he is joined by Valerie, who is the sound person, and then Michael, who is the cinematographer, and Daniel, who's actually working the camera. He's the one who's recording everything at all times.
0: Yeah.
1: And he's not sure if he's going to get approval, but he kind of just jumps in headfirst because he thinks it's going to be a great film, and he has these idealized kind of thoughts of, oh, no matter what I do, it's going to be perfect. I just need to find a subject which i think that's the first plot point where it's questionable is how many suicidal people want you to follow them around for a month
0: yeah it's like how would i put it the film makes this really interesting use of the whole what if style of storytelling and they bring up a lot of questions in its its setup um they have a scene specifically where they're interviewing each subject, and you get to hear different stories about like why different people might be deciding to commit suicide, and then these these children show up, right? Um, you know, a pair of sisters who are apparently going to be doing it in an attempt to like get revenge on their parents. I guess is how you would put it
1: for being like unattentive or something. So we we really because they. I think they call in like 14, like 14 people want to do it or whatever they want to talk to them. And the girls are they're the sisters and they're like, yeah, we want to do this, but we're, their reasonings are kind of questionable. And then they have a couple of other people. And I think this is where the movie actually gets like some really powerful acting out of, out of the characters because you're hearing these people like, saying why they want to commit suicide, and there's some bad reasons to commit suicide. One one of them is the... I'm going to be just straight. I I don't think suicide is the answer. Please don't kill yourself or commit suicide. You don't do that. Um, But some of the reasons these people gave, I'm like, okay, I can see why in a fragile emotional state you would would do this. Um, One of the women who comes in, she's older, and she says... You know, my husband died and my son, my adult son just died. I'm alone. I literally have no one left in my life to take care of me. Now I get any older. And she says, well, suicide's like the the, the option I would prefer to have other than just growing old. And I'm like, okay, you kind of have a pretty strong reason. And then there's the other one where it's the girls who are like, oh, we're, we're just, you know feel neglected by our parents and i'm like yeah that's not a really good reason or the woman who's like um my husband doesn't listen to me anymore and i don't think i can tell him my emotions anymore and i'm like okay there's a there's a point in the movie where they're talking to all these people in like this montage of uh interviews and some of them seem genuine, some of them seem kind of odd, but it's very interesting because you see the whole spectrum of, like, why people would commit suicide. Yeah. And then we find out... And then we find Matt.
0: Yeah. Uh, Matt is who will become the subject of our documentary, who has what is called a butterfly tumor. Um, <laughs> yes, he's very British. Um and basically what's going on with Matt is that he has this tumor in his head that's terminal. It is absolutely going to kill him. There's nothing he can do. Basically trying to do the middle ground where he's going to kill himself before it gets bad. And he has to go through all this pain and suffering and stuff. And it's interesting because at first this this becomes like they're going to circumvent having to follow somebody with depression who – depression being such like a sticky subject in itself. It's interesting that they dodge it in the first place. Yeah. Wanting to make a documentary on such a taboo subject. Uh, But this kind of gives them like the ethical responsibility of, well, if he's going to die anyways, then it's ethically okay to follow him as he commits, decides to commit and then commits suicide.
1: And I think that's the first leap this movie has to make for the audience. Is that it has to make the leap of, okay, what these guys are doing is ethically irresponsible. And they, they go to a lawyer and they do find out that it's not technically illegal. What they're doing is not legally wrong, it's just morally rep-
0: reprehensible.
1: Like, you, you'd agree with me on that, right? Like, what they're doing is just wrong on a moral ground.
0: It's interesting because I think there's... I think there's some sort of moral way to do this. That's not the problem. The problem is all of the people around this person who have a problem with it. Because just because something is immoral doesn't mean that people will like it or not. And just because people like it or not doesn't mean it's immoral. And I think this is the problem they're also confronting when discussing the subjects. Because it also has to do with like, well, what happens if this lady who's depressed You didn't come to us and tell us that she was depressed. You didn't decide to do anything about that, despite it was her decision. Like, those are the complex questions that they're running into because when you think about it, following somebody around and documenting their suicide isn't immoral in a sense because it's their choice. You're not interfering with that in theory. It's the problem of all of the people around them not wanting them to commit suicide. And brings up this whole idea of... Because euthanasia is kind of another subject that's brought up Yeah, at because some
1: it's, I think that's the big thing is they don't want to be participatory in it. Yeah. They merely want to just be like observers. And that's like the first thing that they have to get out of the way is we are not encouraging you to kill yourself. We're just not going to stop you. Yeah. And... Granted, like that's a really interesting moral and moral subject that this film kind of explores for about five minutes and then just stops once they discover Matt. Right? You you can give me that because I think that's a big thing about this movie. It brings up these very deep and interesting philosophical questions and these moral dilemmas that are just kind of glossed over in like
0: five minutes, a little bit. Um. And it's one of those reasons, too, I think, is that let's address the question, make it known that we explored it, but we don't have to go answering it necessarily because that's not what the movie's about.
1: I guess. Um,
0: I think it's just one of those things where, like, the obstacles in in this story that they've decided to pursue are very much having to do with dialogue and things that have to revolve around dialogue. These are hard things to visualize because it has to do with, like, visualizing the whole of a person's life. Which I
1: think this movie tries
0: to do, but I don't know if it sticks to the landing because,
1: like, we follow Matt around, like, with the, the film crew follows Matt around, and he's this kind of... Uh, he seems like somebody who's only lived, like, obviously he's only lived, like, half his life. He's kind of childish in a way, and he seems to... I don't know. He seems like he lives already kind of a sad, depressing life even before the brain tumor. And it's almost like he found the brain tumor and this was just a, a thing that's like, okay, now I can justify doing this to myself.
0: Yeah, a little bit. That's that's kind of how it's... Because I think the main mode that this movie excels on in, in lieu of having to figure out like a visually compelling plot is its web of characters.
1: Oh yeah, the character work in this movie is fantastic.
0: Yeah, so like with Matt for example, they've chosen that the character which you could kind of say is an antagonist in the sen- not in the sense that he's bad guy, but in the sense that he's the antagonizer. Um he well, he's the one that
1: cuz if we're saying Gilbert's the, the lead who wants to see Matt commit suicide, Matt's the only person in his way of seeing that.
0: Exactly, so that's that's what I kind of mean is like, while it's not apparent in the beginning, the next part of the film he, he's definitely the person who will antagonize yeah. the director of the film Um, the point being that they've chosen an interesting way to show that in their subject, guy who is technically going to die anyway but it's more complicated than that mm-hmm. as we'll come to find Uh, then like the whole slew of characters that come in around that, for example, again another interesting thing that comes up in the interview scene is the guy who's like thinks this is a sick idea and like basically comes to chew out the director in yeah yeah this
1: scene where this um really angry truck driver looking dude shows up to basically yell at gilbert he just looks Tom's like he's a sicko
0: yeah he looks like the kind of guy who's like his daughter committed suicide or something and he's like this is a sick idea you're or, i don't know you know it's like Somebody who... It's it's going back to addressing that soul, sort of... This is going to affect people. And this guy's obviously been affected. So, that's why he's so angry about it.
1: Which is a thing where it's like, the these... So, do you think what Gilbert, Valerie, Michael, and Daniel, the, the film crew... Do you think they are in the moral right to do this to Matt? To follow him around. To become a part of his life. To attach themselves to him in this way only for the there's, ultimate fact of them dying
0: there's the crux of it right I think it's morally okay. I don't know about moral right and wrong I think it's morally okay to go around documenting this because it's no different from any other documentary that goes around it's like or well, we're making a documentary on there's one that uh, somebody brought up in one of my documentary classes where it was about a group in South Africa who was a white supremacist group and all about doing the whole uh, I'm not particularly versed on the vocabulary of apartheid and everything, but they wanted mm-hmm. to bring that back. Do you try not to like stop that group in some sort of way? It, it's like the the moral dilemma of documentary as a whole. Do you not try to become a part of your subjects or do you, do you just document the subject specifically? And then the, the being connected to Matt is only that much harder because it's not a whole group of 500 people in South Africa. Well, it's one guy that and, you're being very intimate with. And that time. is a
1: thing where, 'cause that's what kinda happens as the as their work progresses is Gilbert kind of becomes Matt's best friend over the course of the filming and Gilbert realizes he's like, I made a huge mistake because I let I got close to my subject and now I kind of don't know what to do now. Because I still want him to commit suicide for the film, but I don't want him to because he's a good human
0: because that's another interesting thing you bring up right there is i don't know if it i don't think they both become best friends you think you go, matt becomes
1: best friends with gilbert and gilbert is it's just, just
0: directing matt it, it's just it's i think it's this interesting thing we come to learn about matt is he's a lo- pretty lonely person anyway
1: yeah as we realize that his only the only real person in his life that the, there's only like two real people in his life that care about him in any significant way. And it's his sister, um, Konima. Is that her name?
0: Something like this. Yeah. yeah. His like stepsister or whatever. Yeah. His
1: stepsister and his mom. And they're the only two people that really care about him. All of the people he says are his friends are like poker buddies that don't really know him all that well. And it's, and he lives in this really small kind of, um, it looks like an attic apartment, to be honest. It looks like he lives over a garage or something.
0: He basically lives in a rented room, as I would put it.
1: Yeah, and it's just like, he has all these like kind of weird knickknacks, which, you know, I, I got a lot of weird knickknacks too, but he's, his seems far... He seems like he lives a really sad and kind of lonely life, and it's really depressing. That's what this movie is. It's just very depressing. It's, it's depression porn.
0: Yeah, and it which is interesting because I think like the brain tumor is just, it it's like this um, MacGuffin of sorts that is like only meant to...
1: He would have probably committed suicide due to like depression and sadness, even without the tumor.
0: Or something, or it's like at what point is like, there's an interesting quote, which is on the box here, um, but is brought up at one point in the movie. It's that everyone dies, uh, some just sooner than others. And it's kind of one of those things where it's like, well, life isn't just sad because you have a thing to be sad about. Life can be sad for no reason at all. Mm-hmm. And life can be sad just because of the lack of having good things. And that's kind of where a lot of these people that come in for those interviews uh, kind of address it is it just seems like they don't have anything good, necessarily anything bad. And it's like, I don't know. It's it, it, As the film progresses, there's a lot of like, I don't know if we're going to be coming through the plot to, Carefully, much. well,
1: because because the plot of this movie is a
0: little like out there because it's a lot of talking. It's
1: a lot. It's a whole lot of dialogue scenes. It's a lot of the characters kind of not mugging for the camera because that's a little that's a little mean. But it's a lot of the characters and the actors kind of working to pull something from the audience and tug yeah. at the heartstrings. There's,
0: I think, there's an. It's it's got a good through line. It was mm-hmm. fluid. It's just that you can only really get the fluidity while watching it.
1: Yeah, because if we're going to talk about it, because I can almost sum up the entire plot from memory in terms of like how the story beats out. It's, we meet Gilbert and the crew. Gilbert wants to do this. Posts it out on the internet. Interviews a bunch of people. Finds Matt. They decide on Matt. They follow Matt for about an hour and interview him about his theology, his message, what he means. We meet Matt's mother, his sister they twist stuff happens at the like third act that we won't get into but then a couple other things happen and then the ending of the movie but it's that's pretty much the whole movie but it's like a hundred minutes it's a hundred minutes long you know so your your mileage may vary but it's pretty interesting i think what we should do is just let's just go in and just spoil the whole thing so we can kind of talk a little bit more freely about it. Yeah. We're talking about all the moral arguments and we're like 30 minutes in.
0: Yeah, the, 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 just spill the beans. Yes. Right. The, the basically what happens through the second half, because a lot of that first half up until we meet Matt's sister is really what goes on. Mm-hmm. Then after that, it's a lot of characters coming together. We meet Matt's mom at first, some point and it's kind of awkward because then there's like a lot of saying goodbye. It's really a lot of the plot points are just like, well, we got to address this and then we do that and it's an interesting obstacle and we move on. It, it's, and it's the a thing lot of, where
1: it's like, what if the most logical person you knew tried to commit suicide and they went through every logical step a suicidal person would make including buying his own coffin, taking out his own grave.
0: Yeah, Matt is kind of like a gullible little son of a gun. Um, yeah. Which is I think part and parcel due to the fact that he becomes excited that he has people to be around and then which is like a boyish quality to that that's so heartbreaking.
1: <laughs> that's I think that's the thing. Is This movie is really sad because Matt is the nicest person in the movie and everyone else is kind of shitty. Really? You ever really yeah. get down to it? I
0: mean, really, if you want to think about it, I think the cinematographer Michael gets off because he's just kind of like we'll flying the wall to all this.
1: Yeah, okay. So we let's talk about the the characters in this. So we have Gilbert and you, how would you describe Gilbert? If you had to explain to somebody.
0: An asshole. Just
1: straight asshole.
0: Yeah, the guy he's a classic director trope. He's he is 100% enveloped in all of his projects. Doesn't care about uh, the human element. Yeah, which I feel like is a fictionalized thing anyways. I've never met anybody who's like that or who can pull that off because Who has that kind of time. Um,
1: Yeah, like he is the most, he is like the shittiest person you meet in film school.
0: Perfectly passionate and that's nice, but it's just that he becomes too focused on the fact that it's a project rather than documenting real life.
1: Yeah, and he's kind of moody and gets like that later on and he does some shit that's kind of shady.
0: Yeah, I mean he has some reason because he's apparently refinanced his mother's house. Yeah, to make this In order to do this, uh, which is another cliche of all that. Um, He
1: he has literally every
0: cliche of,
1: I'm an independent, I'm a film student trying to make it big, and this is how I'm going to do it. Like, he is every one of those.
0: Yeah. And um, then we have the sound girl. uh, Uh, Valerie. Valerie, who's the most sensitive person I've ever met. Um, Yeah.
1: She is Gilbert's ex-girlfriend, and
0: everything makes her cry. Everything. If, a lot of the women in this movie, it's basically they're just criers. <laughs> um, yeah. Of Well, a lot of... There's three women characters in this movie of the four men characters that we... Not even that. Three, I guess. Yeah. Because um, Daniel's barely a character. Yeah. And she is concerned with everything. and she's She's like the moral and, compass of um, this,
1: and I feel like she would have pieced out right at the beginning.
0: I feel like it, moral compass is a good way. I put, I would, it's more like moral boo-boo. She's very...
1: <laughs> she, yeah, she's like, what we're doing is wrong. Like, There's like a motherly quality
0: this. to it. Hmm? You know, There's like a motherly quality to it where she feels like she needs to make it better.
1: Yeah. And it's like... It's, okay, that's the... Here's the thing about Valerie as a character that it just gets at me because throughout the movie she's like, oh my god, I can't believe we're doing this. Oh my god, I... I Matt's a cool guy. He's a friend. I can't. I can't see him do this anymore. And she just keeps rolling with it. She does. There's no point where she's like, "We have to stop this. This is wrong." Or I walk. There's never that moment in the movie.
0: There, there's one. I think towards the beginning, like you were saying. But yeah, where she's like, "I don't want to do
1: this if like the guy is gonna die anyway, so I can have a
0: quote unquote clear conscience." Yeah, and it, it it does feel like the more and more it goes on, the more and more she becomes like, "Well, it's not that." I have to make sure that this is that we're going to do this only if it's morally right. It's that once it is confirmed that it's morally wrong, quote unquote, to her, that's when she feels the need to be like, "Well, I need to save this person's life," which I think is morally wrong. Really? I think that's because think about it. You had no idea who this guy was beforehand, and yeah. then once you know, it sucks because Gilbert brings this up, and it, but it's actually a good point. The only reason that you care about him up to this point is because you know that he's like in pain and that you want to not have that on your conscience so it's kind of like you only start do you only start going out with him because you want to help him feel better well she does well that's exactly why she does it. that's why i
1: think she is she is the hypocrite of the movie because so at the the big kind of twisty thing is near the end of the movie i guess like the third act of the midpoint we find out that Matt decides that he's not going to commit suicide because he's fallen in love with Valerie, and Valerie decides to date him, and she kind of gives him a new lease on life. But Valerie basically tells him, yeah, no, I'm only doing this so he doesn't kill himself. She's like, I don't love him. I like him. I care for him, but I don't love him. I just want him to live. And Gilbert says to him, "says to her that, but he made this decision because he does not want to live in pain and all you're doing is you're going to prolong his life so he dies a very painful death what you're doing is wrong and she's like what i'm but i'm not i'm keeping him alive so he can experience some hope in his life before he goes and that's like that moral dilemma this movie keeps bringing up like here's a moral dilemma think about it ponder it over we're not going to answer it it's up to you roller coaster of emotions
0: yeah i will say the one thing that i do come out with at the end of all this is that watching this all it's just undeniable to at this point to realize that like accepting suicide is inhuman and as much as you say because we agree again suicide is not the answer
1: don't kill yourself people love you
0: in the first person though it's hard to acknowledge that at some point it might be right for somebody to do in their mind Talking about perception, not talking about actual. Reality. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like
1: the, and the thing of like character and argument, like that's the thing. There's a lot of stories where you can get a lot of things out of this, like concept of people who are like, oh, my life is tragic, all this other stuff, so it's the only option. And you develop and you view them through that lens and you follow them through an arc and a story. And that's a, something where it's like, no, you can get a lot of narrative and philosophical ideas from it. But, you know, then again, this, this is a movie. And I think that's kind of Michael's thing. Because Michael is the cinematographer and he is kind of just along for the ride, really. And his whole deal is, I don't know how to morally judge this. And that's like Michael's whole thing. Because do you ever get a good line as to if Michael accepts this or
0: disavows it? Yes and no. I think there's a lot of emotional reaction in which he he's like, he instead of um, Val. Valerie being the moral commentator on it, he's more of like the technical commentator on it. Speaking strictly in filmmaking sense, like he needs to find work. He want he wants to continue to do the work, but he knows that this is an, it seems seemingly is a tough subject that doesn't feel right for him, and he continues to do it partially because he, there's a connection formed with matt and it's partially because he doesn't want to quit just like uh gilbert and i feel like for him he he continually tries to justify in the film it's like well i'm just third party to all of this you know this isn't my dealing and i'm just here to do my job Mm -hmm. uh whereas there's plenty of times in which especially in the ending he is emotionally attached to what's going on in this um yeah, it's it's kind of weird because I think every person in this movie is symbolic
1: of something else. Um, yeah, because we have Dan. Because then we have like Daniel, who has zero character. He is a film. He is the camera.
0: Yeah, I mean Daniel, as we'll learn later, is basically the guy that just reconstructs all of the video for us to watch later later on. Mm-hmm. He's been the kind of the silent cameraman in all this, and is probably just their technical pseudo way to be like, well, this is how the movie actually was made. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. Which is fine, I guess.
1: But in all the characters we have, we have Matt, he's the person who's going to commit suicide. Gilbert is the... symbolizes maybe not the desire to kill yourself, but like that unwanted of just let it happen, things will be better on the other end. Valerie is kind of that... um, is symbolic of that nefarious sense of don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. It'll be painful... To live, but you don't do not do it. There's hope. And Matt's kind of that go with the flow emotional response. And uh, Konima is like symbolic of like that family where it's like, this is what you're going to leave behind. And it's, it's really interesting because the whole movie is just this tirade of emotions and morality and pain and sadness. Again, I'm going to say the third time or fifth time or whatever. This is fucking misery porn. It's just you're just watching these people be
0: fucking miserable and just kind of jerking off to it. Yeah, but isn't it so, isn't it such a great wink? Um, um, because it's, yes, it's a great, so, it's a great wink. And this gets up to the really biggest spoiler again if you listened up to this point and really again, unless you've seen this movie, in which case um, you found the right podcast. That's but right, you if go. you haven't, uh, this kind of gets up to the end of the movie, right? We've gone through all the misery of answering all the questions, and now it comes down to like the the Gilbert Valerie Matt love triangle that has really hurt the project and is compromising everybody's life. Um, yeah.
1: So what happens is Valerie becomes Matt's girlfriend, and Matt decides he's not going to kill himself. He's just going to live his last like six ish months of life left and just die naturally because he wants to live that life with Valerie. But Valerie doesn't really love him. And she has this like affair with Gilbert, her ex-boyfriend, who was also the director. And she's like, no, I actually do care for Gilbert, but I don't want Matt to find out because I want him to live. And then Matt finds Gilbert's underwear in Valerie's place. And we never really get a good answer if Gilbert did that on purpose to complete, to get, if Gilbert did that on purpose on purpose to push Matt to killing himself so he can finish the movie. I mean, I think it's it's, it's never made clear. It's assumed like you assume it because Gilbert's kind of that nefarious, malicious kind of person, but you don't know if it's like did he did he actually was that his plan from the start, was it an actual accident, was it you know, he kind of did it but that he didn't really know what was going to happen. Like you you never really know. And David's giving me the look of bruh, like, come on, you Gilbert did because he's if... a fucking psychopath.
0: I think Gilbert did something malicious, but it wasn't with the intent of finishing the movie. It was more with the intent of, "You ruined my thing, I'll ruin your thing," you know.
1: He seems petty enough to do that. Yeah, I'd probably give you, give you that. Yeah, and he's just like, "Hey, I left my underwear in your girlfriend's bed. Come at me, bro." Uh,
0: but the king of petty does get out pettied as Matt decides to go through with the ending of the movie as they call it
1: yes where he is going to i got not force but he's he is basically strong armed gilbert and the entire crew to show up where he's going to kill himself which is the um garage at an arco gas station it's
0: like a rented one car garage across from a chevron uh in like you know some Deep part of the LA suburban landscape. It's yeah. So, Dean Dean recognized that there were some near somewhere near. Okay, uh, I know for a fact. So
1: there's a scene where there he has his last meal at In and Out, which, by the way, good pick, solid pick. And that In and Out, I am one thousand percent sure is the In and Out that's down the street from my house, and it's in like Downey or something like that. I'm a thousand percent sure. All right, because I'm ninety nine percent sure I saw my mother walking in the background, like ordering food for me and my family. I'm ninety nine percent sure. But whatever. But yeah, that arco, I have no idea where that is. But I think it's it's probably around their downy, Whittier LA ish area kind of thing. Yeah,
0: somewhere. Um, so they do go to the garage and everybody is forced to be a witness because they couldn't just go to the police or anything. Right. But fine.
1: So and uh Matt has bought this very large, like, 44, uh revolver. And he says, Gilbert, you're going to come in with me into this garage. We're going to close the door, you're going to film me do this. And everybody else is going to wait outside. And there's a whole tearful, just, oh, my God, oh, my God, he's actually going to do it. And then we hear the gunshot. And it blasts through, and everybody's crying, like, oh, my God, I can't believe this. And then we hear a second gunshot. And at this moment, this is when Michael realizes, oh, shit, and rips open the garage. And we find out that Matt has committed a murder-suicide and killed Gilbert and then killed himself.
0: Yeah. that that f- Upon first watching this, if, again, you haven't listened to it and you've come back to listen to this, there's like a, I don't know if Dean caught it before it happened um i remember when i originally watched it i was pretty freaked out by the ending not freaked out but like, like i was oh like shit it was like a mindfuck but it actually got me mind fuck. um in that of course it's possible you weren't expecting it up mm-hmm. to that point the tone wasn't playing with that and it's kind of it's like a recent example of that kind of oh shit ending is probably the ending to uncut gems
1: oh god so the ending of what so uncut gems is a Totally different movie that came out, like, what, last year? Yeah, when but was I like
0: was it? just I'm referencing that because it also is the kind of gunshot ending that you don't see coming. Oh,
1: yeah. Where you're just like... You're like... Well... Yeah, I guess fucking... Bibbidi-bobbidi-ass... Like, yeah, it's come up, it's... it's fucking dead. You know, it's like... I guess that's the only way that character was gonna get out of this. And you're like, what the f- actual fuck? And that's... Uh, I don't know, because... Maybe the uncut gems. It's the same kind of ending where it's, oh my god, that's that's fucking shocking. Like it actually ended like this. Like shit, I didn't see that coming. But with necessary death, I know why. I you sat next to me when we watched this. I called the murder suicide. Okay. I called it. I want to. want to say that.
0: I don't or, remember you saying it out loud. What?
1: I fuck you. You sat next to me.
0: I don't know. I, I don't remember you said. Okay, here's what I think I do remember you saying. I think I remember you saying some iteration of it, right? Where yeah. Where you didn't call the exact scene, and I didn't say anything about it. As as if to say, just keep watching.
1: Yeah, I think that it was probably like something earlier in the movie where it was like...
0: Oh, no, what you called is you called him just shooting oh, Gilbert and then nothing else. You didn't oh, yeah, him where to he just straight
1: himself. murders Gilbert. Yeah, yeah, I think I called that, but... I mean, is that the best way this movie could have possibly ended? I think it
0: might have been. I think so, because this, I think, obviously, if anybody's watching it, it is a tragedy. I think that's very apparent.
1: Yeah, this is not a comedy, which is weird, because I think you tried to sell me on this being a black comedy at one point.
0: I think the way it was explained to you came off as it was some sort of, like thriller yeah um, which was not my intention originally i it, i remember and i would explained this to you after we finished watching it today is like i got creepy vibes from this movie that's the kind of thing i was going for this movie is kind of creepy in the way it like it makes your skin crawl
1: it's, yeah because it's so voyeuristic and you're following around this guy's life and his last few days and it's just so off-putting and the people you're following is just so gross yeah
0: and the documentary styling is very like raw raw yeah it it reminds me of some sort of like uh what's that documentary about the two the 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 two old ladies who live in that house uh
1: what's that fucking called the two old ladies that live in that
0: house hold on it's betty and famous documentaries
1: I don't know it's just I think the biggest skin crawling factor in this movie it's like you're you watch it you get attached to Matt and then it's just so weird that these people are just so heartless about it I don't know like this movie I'll I'll tell you this right now this movie will make your skin crawl you will feel gray gardens gray gardens
0: yeah it's oh, I've a, seen that one. It's a documentary about these two like reclusive old women um who live in this like mansion in the forest outside of town and these two documentary filmmakers go and like interview them and see what their life is like. But it's kind of it's kind of odd the way they live. They're like hoarders. The mom is bedridden. Um because the mother-daughter pair, it's it's very weird and creepy in that way, where you know there's not necessarily anything like legitimately horrific going on, but there's still something about it that makes you go, oh, "This is."
1: Yeah, weird. I think that's what this is like. I you wouldn't qualify this as like a horror film,
0: right? No, no.
1: Yeah, but you can qualify this as this is the kind of drama where you are just on edge the entire time, and it's just kind of. Well, everything's just creepy. Everything's
0: just off. You're right about that because the director of The Big Easy, uh, Jim McBride, did say that this movie quote, keeps you at the edge of your seat, unquote. Yes. Which is the most generic line that anybody probably could have put on the back of the DVD. Oh
1: God, yes. But I will say this. I was, at uh, a couple of points, I moved up in my, in my seat and I was, you know, hand on chin just watching the screen trying to be like, what the fuck is going on? is, am I actually going to watch some guy fucking kill himself? Because, don't get me wrong, this movie is is fictional, it's not real, we don't actually, no one actually dies in the making of this
0: movie. Legitimate mockumentary.
1: Legitimate mockumentary, but it's it's one of those things where you're like, I really don't want to see Matt kill himself. You do get connected
0: to all the characters. Yeah, and
1: I think that's the biggest thing about this movie, and like, in the independent cinema, this kind of out of it's like this movie is focused on two things and two things only it is characters and it is stories and and that's the two things that this movie is really concerned about because the sound quality
0: of the film is pretty shoddy yeah the production is legitimately as as close you can get to the legitimate uh circumstance of having to finance a student film on your own as you can get yeah
1: like everything about this movie looks really cheap all the like locations look like they're somebody's actual house. Uh, there's no real production design. This entire movie feels like these, I don't know, five or six people who are actually behind the camera filming were like, hey, fuck it. We're going to go film at all of our houses and like a high school somewhere, and then we're just going to cut a movie together. And that's how it feels. And then the... But the characters in the story just really fucking work. And it's fucking weird. Like, so if you really want to watch a movie where everything about it looks like complete dog shit on the surface, but right below that, it's just fucking chef's kiss, great, then this is kind of that movie. It deals with a lot of like philosophical stuff, a lot of themes, a lot of, you know, high minded intellectual stuff. And it's backed by really good characters, really solid performance, and a pretty good story. You know, with all things considered, where it's, you know, we bring up more philosophical... Yeah, fleshed out. Yeah, that's probably the better way to put it, because I'm still kind of salty that this movie is (laughs) 90%. Man, we're going to hit you with this big philosophical question. Suicide, voyeurism, what is, you know, your responsibility to helping somebody but we're only going to be on that for five minutes and you figure it out on your own because fuck you, we don't got the time to answer it.
0: Woo! Rollercoaster of emotions. I do think that's part of the mode of mockumentary is they couldn't put together scenes in which things happen until the the underwear incident. Uh, They couldn't really put together a actual plot point in order for it to really be anything other than a documentary on screen.
1: That's another thing where it's like the, there's it never feels like a fake movie until that
0: point. When we get yeah. the
1: underwear, because then it starts feeling like okay, okay, you guys are you guys are making this up now a little this bit. There's some bullshit here, because they they've yeah. so straight for like so long in the movie. Obviously, the concept of
0: finding a suicidal person who's willing to let you follow him around for like three months it would never work in never real life. Happened. It would never, work. never. I happened. feel like it might be able to come off in some sort of way, but it would run into so many problems. But there are documentaries that are coming out right now that I think are running into similar ethical problems and that are... Not ethical problems, I should say, but are problems with production that would face similar types of legal battles. Yeah, well, um, I mean, to be a little topical, I guess,
1: um, the movie Cuties that just came out, where they're in a whole shitstorm of um, moral and legal battles based on... On the casting of that movie? Yeah,
0: or there was another one that I just looked up right now. Uh, There was a recent one called The Inventor, Out for Blood in Silicon Valley, Mm -hmm. which is about that lady that tried to come up with like the little, the really like bite size, bite size is a bad way to put it. Like, microscopic blood tests that you can do in, like, a fraction of the time, oh, all this.
1: yeah. The li- and she basically lied about the tech.
0: Yeah, and it's, I'm not saying that that... She, that wasn't she,
1: like, the first, like, um, woman billionaire or something like that?
0: It was something like this, and that was, like, her whole story. Um, but then it ended up being, like, a huge scam, basically, because they couldn't figure out the technology. or well, the technology is basically impossible by st- today's standards.
1: Yeah, she was selling people, like, oh, we can do this. But you but know. there
0: was like this whole thing with yeah. the documentary where they weren't really being accusatory about it. And it, and for me, especially, it got to the point where it was like, why aren't they making a bigger deal about this being a horrible thing? I don't know. it They focused more, more on the fact that it was a financial scam than a medical scam. Uh, but there are all kinds of these types of documentaries that run into... These moralistic yeah kind of questions the interesting right wrong. things there's yeah. there's actually a really good documentary series on Netflix right now that I've told Dean about um unwell mm-hmm. where all the episodes are about following these like fringe movements that are going on like the the essential oils, the drinking breast milk in order to get healthy oh, the uh, the Tantra stuff there's. But, you know, the one that strikes me the most is the essential oil thing and how it's like, how is it not, how is it morally possible for us to follow this, but not also refute it in any clear way? It does feel a little wrong, not to say like, this is not medically
1: viable or uh, good.
0: Yeah, yeah, I guess for lack of a better term. I, There's a lot. This is a thing that comes up a lot, it, or the Fire Festival documentary. Let's go back to that one. I mean, oh God! That one was basically let's figure out what's going on in the mind of this guy who's a total piece of shit.
1: <laughs> well, at least with the Fire Festival documentary, they make him out to be the a fucking villain. They
0: just. But then they put him on screen, and give him all this screen time. You know, on, you see what yeah, I mean? They rev, it's like, yeah,
1: they revel in his bullshit. That's the thing. That's like the thing where it's like for documentaries like Fire Festival, it's like they have their cake and eat it too. Where it's, you know, hey, we're gonna demonize this guy who is, you know, terrible. He ruined all these people's lives, all this money. But we're gonna revel in the crazy, um, like insanity that this guy's life kind of pulled around. Actually, a better example is Tiger King. Like that's probably the perfect example. Okay, is- yeah, actually, Tiger that's King a- is a perfect example of like the issue with necessary death so unnecessary death its issue is this movie is its whole thing is what is the moral argument when you're seeing somebody you know do something fucking terrible do you stop it entire king is literally hey so we followed this fucking terrible human being around well he killed animals and abused animals and all this other stuff but we're going like, to revel in that and just kind of him around and just be along for the ride of this crazy fucking redneck. And this is the thing, like Necessary Death is trying to be, granted Necessary Death predates all those fucking movies we just listed by fucking yeah. years. But I think Necessary Death is a weird commentary on those of documentaries now where it's like, it's almost like that extreme sense where we're going to follow this very eccentric kind of, person as they're going to do this really horrible thing in the documentary crew who has to kind of morally justify it to themselves to keep going.
0: Yeah. I know this isn't the circumstance of the movie because the director, uh, Daniel Stamm, who's actually the guy, you know, he's the character in the movie. They all use their names. Mm -hmm. He's a European director who he made this film when he was about 30. uh, So he wasn't going to UCLA or anything like that. But it feels very much like, what would happen if you brought this direct this documentary idea up in class? Your professor said, oh, no fucking way. Are you doing that? And yeah. then they were like, can I make that my narrative film? And then they would be like, that's actually a good idea. Go for it. This feels like the result of that.
1: Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, hey, I have this really good like idea for a doc. And yeah, fucking Jesus Christ. That movie is this movie is fucking weird. Really fucking weird.
0: Yeah, but worth a watch. Very I mean, much worth a watch. If, I mean, if, if if there's anything else I like can in, in kind of wrap up this discussion on, it is is I think this is a really good find for people who are in film school who need inspiration to get. Uh, if you if you feel like uh, you can't figure out the equipment, if you can't figure out the visually appealing story, this is an example of a story that doesn't need a. You know the, what they always tell you: it's not about the equipment; it's about the story. And this is about the story. It's not about everything else involved with the filmmaking.
1: With that, I will agree with you. So this movie is very, very good at showing you you can do a lot with a fucking ham sandwich budget. Yeah. Where it's you if you focus on the characters, if you focus on the performances, and you focus on your story, you can get a lot of fucking mileage out of that. And I think the thing that falls flat is that this movie is working on a taboo subject, tries to ask these big huge philosophical questions and just maybe not answers them but but poses them and it's a feels a little weird and you know the movie does run a little long there's there's some technical aspects of the movie that even though it's trying to be raw you know could have been a little touched up but overall i i'd I'd like this movie
0: yeah
1: if you had a so if you had to rank this movie i guess we'll I know you hate doing the whole star system, ranking system, or whatever for movies, but for those out there, since we're only doing one movie, we're not comparing it to anything else, how would you rank this movie? Say one out of ten.
0: I'd give it a solid eight. Solid eight? Yeah. I mean, like you said, it's not it's not the sexiest movie ever, but it's still for the what it can pull off with just the story element and like a group of people making the movie and and i mean really when you think about it there were five people that were a part of the production yeah pretty damn good pretty damn good got me to buy a ten dollar dvd copy off of ebay so you you would say this movie is definitely worth ten bucks from ebay yeah, without without a question, that ten bucks. It wasn't like I'm going to bid on this and everything. I just bought it straight out because it's one of my favorite movies.
1: Okay, honestly, I probably give it a eight. Eight feels like a good place this would sit. Very good, well acted, has a lot of potential. Maybe not reaches for maybe not reaches and hits the mark and everything. But goddamn, it's it's a good display of what it's like to shoot for the stars. Like big class for this solid eight film.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: well. I think that rounds us out on our first episode of uh, Too Obscure for TV.
0: Yeah, of the indie movie Power Hour or whatever.
1: We're ever going to figure
0: out what this is called. Whatever this mistake episode is going to be. Yeah, the Um, catch-up episode. Yeah, I mean, uh, in the future, we will, uh, I'm sure, try to research our selections a little more. Yeah.
1: i already know one movie that's going to be too obscure for us to ever find
0: yeah and that's the point is we might come back and do these extra episodes every now and again and try and figure out a way to get the movie to you guys that was something i mentioned in the correction i'm gonna see if there's a way i can link the, link the movie something some somewhere um but you know uh until that time that has been our little correction episode um That'll be coming out in this lovely, uh, spooky month of October. And now this is something that you have that's not so much fake scary, but, oh, it's real life scary. it's a little
1: real life scary.
0: Um, All right,
1: everybody. I guess that's uh, where we call it quits for the night.
0: Yeah. um, Extra episode details. I don't think we need to go over the normal letterhead. You all know. If you're a listener who's listening to the extra episode, you you know where to find us.
1: Um, Oh. Yeah, cool. Follow us on the Future Podcast. Give us money. And, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, check out the next episode coming out, Uh, which should be... We'll figure out when to drop this. This is not part of our regular schedule, so you'll see it when when you You see it. You'll see it
1: when you see it. All right, everybody. Before we ramble on for any longer, peace, good night, good luck. Suicide's not the answer. Yes. Go watch some fucking movies and have some fun. All right. Peace. Peace.